Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show all about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I am Scott Saunders, joined as ever by football journalist and United season ticket holder, Rob Blanchett. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And now you can watch us twice a week on YouTube. So go to the channel, hit the like button, subscribe and join the community. And the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on audio. I tried to zoom through that, Rob. I'm not sure why. Maybe I've got a bit of energy today. Uh, How are you doing? Not too bad. Maybe, Scott, it's the international break where you're finding new reserves to kind of move forward as uh, some of our footballers do. But no, I'm good. Um, looking forward to today's show and talking about some of the topics we've got. Yeah, uh, obviously, international breaks are usually a dead uh, a dead window uh, for football news and this kind of stuff. But we're rich with it with United at the moment. And I'm actually... I don't know whether you can tell in my accent, I'm a Welshman and uh, Wales start their playoff journey tonight. Hopefully it doesn't end tonight. Uh, we're filming on Thursday ahead of them playing against Austria. And there's no, we don't we don't have Dan James anymore. So no uh, Man United Wales connections unless Dylan Levitt's in the squad. I don't know if he is, but yeah, maybe, maybe down the line uh, we will get some more back. But yeah, let's talk all things United today because there has been since the last show, a few developments now, uh, reports going around about, you know, interview processes kicking off. Eric Ten Hag has done his. I think that's pretty much been confirmed from all angles, um, from Dutch press, from from us as well, and from the English press and this kind of thing. Suggestions about assistant managers. Uh, <laughs> Rio Ferdinand came out yesterday and said, this is a, a load of tosh, essentially, because uh, his name was linked with it. But there's been some others as well. Uh, and there's other interviews to come, I think. Like, there's four names in the frame, although two are really sticking out. Mauricio Pochettino is probably the other main contender, Luis Enrique and Julian Lopetegui, for due diligence, although you can't really see them getting getting this job, to be honest, unless... I quite like Enrique, but anyway, we'll talk about him later. Uh, we'll talk about Paul Pogba's comments. You know, he's done a deep interview with uh, Le Figaro, I think. And we'll talk about that. He's talked about a lot of topics about how it's not with the United, his mental health and various various other issues as well. And we'll talk about Hannibal's comments. Uh, there's been some about him being essentially defiant that he's going to make his mark. And Garnacho is, is seemingly going to win his first senior cap within the next few days for Argentina as well and can't get in United's first team squad. So this is... a uh, Interesting one. Uh, but anyway, you can follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise Land MU. Uh, but Rob will kick off with the manager interviews because it does seem like United are using the international break to, you know, start the process properly, formally. So Eric Ten Hag has undergone his on Monday. Uh, all signs seem to point to it going positively. Uh, but, you know, he is the favourite, isn't he? Do you think that, well, it, there are other interviews to come as, as far as we understand, but do you think he's the front runner and how do you think this, what, what, what are you thinking of a time frame here? Well, first of all, what I want to say is that I think the word interview 
is kind of quite used loosely in the story <laughs> because people talk like like it's an interview, like you know when you turn up for a just job a chat interview. with Darren Fletcher, Rob, isn't it? Really? <laughs> I just got I've just got I've just got this thing of like Ten Hag turning up to Carrington, kind of doing his tie up, going, "Oh, got this big interview." With. I don't think it's probably on like Zoom that. as well, wasn't it? <laughs> I, I, I'll kind of tell you the bits that that I've been told and know a little bit about. Uh, obviously, contact has been made. That's been confirmed from both sides. Manchester United are quite keen for the world to know that they are chatting to Eric Ten Hag. Now, as it stands, there's been no permission granted by Ajax. So in official terms, this isn't real yet, but there has been chats. But I don't believe for one second that Manchester United have rolled up in Amsterdam in their limousines and have been whining and dining their future coach. But we do know that Ten Hag is interested in the job. We do know that Manchester United really like Ten Hag. And they do see him now as the progressive choice. So one of the things that's getting recycled over the last few days is that United have four candidates for the job. I don't believe that. I don't believe they have four candidates for the job as it stands. I think they have multiple candidates. I think they are looking at people and they're thinking about it. But I think the other side to this story, and it's really important, is that Ten Hag's choices in the future are not only Manchester United. So he has got other clubs that are interested in him. And we still haven't got a feel on that yet, that England is his number one desired choice. It might well be, and you would expect it to be. Man United, I think, are the biggest club in for him as it stands. But we talk about the Glazers all the time. We talk about the ownership. Can they sell their project to a new manager that maybe wants to do it a little bit differently? So I think United fans obviously get very excited that the fact that there's been this established contact has been confirmed both sides of the North Sea, yeah, both in England, both in Holland as well. But does this mean that Eric Ten Hag is 100% going to be the next Manchester United manager? As it stands, the answer to that is no. So how do you kind of view this moving forward then? You said that just now that there's not four candidates as such, it's just a, a bunch of names there. What do you... Can you go into a bit more depth on that? Of course. You, you talked about Rio there, and I think it was good that you kind of conf, you know, kind of refuted it straight away because the storyline as well of this, and I, I say storyline because that, this is kind of how it plays out in the English tabloids, um, is that Manchester United want a former player to team up with Ten Hag to take the club forward. Now, that's actually a, a narrative that's come out of Manchester United in the past. You know, it's something they tried to do with Ryan Giggs. It was something that they pushed on on um, on Van Gaal to say to him, we want this. They pushed it on Mourinho to say, we want this. Obviously, Michael Carrick was retained in those moments and promoted within the system. And we are now seeing Darren Fletcher being at the football club as a kind of football director who doesn't do any football directing. So all of these things, I think, are, are kind of out there to be guessed about. Robin Van Persie's also been linked as a potential assistant manager, but I do not believe we're anywhere close to those things at the moment. I think if you give the job to Eric Ten Hag, you have to say to Eric Ten Hag, you decide these things. We cannot impact it. We can't say to you, do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So I think that Ten Hag is the overwhelming favourite as it stands. Um, but Pochettino is still in play. There's no doubt about it. And they are looking at the likes of Enrique, who, as you said there, is a very good manager. I like him as well. Uh, a prime candidate, someone that you would look at. And I still do think that, that the likes of Lopetegui and Diego Simeone are managers that Man United will continue to review. They don't really need to know anything more about these managers, Scott, do they? 
everyone knows about them. We all know what they do stylistically, how they run their clubs. You could do due diligence. That's important. But I think it's going to be, it's either Ten Hag or no one as it stands. And that's kind of where Man United are in their preparations. I don't think they're going international break. Oh, let's let's interview some coaches. I don't, no, no. They've been doing this process for a long time. It's just now I think we're kind of seeing the motions on the continent. I think we're going to hear more on the continent from journalists and from outlets connected to all of these managers and their agents. Uh, Robin Van Persie, Ruud Van Nistelrooy, Yap Stam have all been... I, th- just, I think I, just I, a I think Dutch I man the other day. It? Yeah, just, just, like, just their Dutch. former Dutch Man United player. Yeah, um, if they're Dutch, then they have to be. It's, 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 this is why it's silly, isn't it? Because it's like we're saying, okay, it's a Dutch manager. He's going to need a, a former Dutch Man United player, so that gives us a shorter list. It's a bit silly. I think <laughs> Ten Hag, who worked in Germany, worked for Bayern, has worked across countries, is not going to be saying, "I need to bring a Dutch person with me." He's going to obviously bring someone that he trusts when he gets the job. And I do think he will get the job. You know, I think this is kind of where we're leading to. Um, But at the same time, there might be another project that he goes, actually, that suits what I want to do because Man United won't let me bring who I want to bring in. So I'm not doing it. So there is still a risk factor here. I think for United fans, we're getting very, very excited about this potential new manager. I I do believe that Mitchell van der Gag is uh, the name who's working alongside Ten Hag at the moment at Ajax. And I have seen his name linked with the assistant manager role as well. I've also seen Ruud van Nistelrooy has been linked with, I think it's, I think it's been rude. It's been linked with a Dutch top flight job over the last few days. So, you know, plenty of decisions to be made. But the Rio Ferdinand thing was a, was a bit weird. <laughs> I don't you know. think... Uh, Rio wasn't... I think Rio had a conversation when United were, were thinking about football directors or, or expanding their knowledge at the top of the tree that Rio did have a conversation. It wasn't an interview. So that was a long time ago. And this is why I said at the top of the show, this thing between conversations and interviews, you know, what people believe are a for- is a formal interview and what is actually just a chat to kind of move the conversation forward. So I, Ten Hag is, is expressed an interest in coming to Manchester United, but I think it's also been quite made quite clear from people around him is that he's got options. And that makes it more difficult for United because United will probably pay the most, you know, do they have the best project out there in Europe at the moment? I think you and me, Scott, would probably say no as it stands. Yeah, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head about how many other clubs will have a managerial role coming up and available uh, this summer, maybe. I, I, I did always kind of see Ten Hag's next step as being one of the main clubs in Germany, to be honest. But, you know, it doesn't seem... Well, you've got Nagelsmann at, uh, at Bayern and, you know, he doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And Maybe some other roles with some other clubs in the Bundesliga, but... You know, Ten Hag, as you say, is the overwhelming favourite. And Gary Neville put a... You did this yourself the other day, Rob. Uh, but Gary Neville put out a vote between Ten Hag and Pochettino on his Twitter mm. yesterday. 220,000 votes, 82% of the vote to Eric Ten Hag. And I am seeing a swell of noise and... Vitriol? Is it vitriol? I don't, I don't know. It gets a little bit mean. It does get a little bit mean when you kind of... If, if you don't pick the guy that everybody wants, yeah. you're wrong. Uh, so Mauricio Pochettino, you know, he, he's in the frame as well. There's no doubt about that. And why wouldn't United look at him? They've wanted him for years. Uh, it's, it, he's probably going to be leaving PSG. It does make sense to do, you know, to look into him a little bit. But what have you made of the kind of fallout? And do you feel like there's a massive divide there? Like, is he that obviously the wrong choice? I think the problem with, you know, it, and it's not Man United fans specifically, 
but because United are such a, a big global super club, that the the kind of heightening of it is just extreme. It's like the most extreme version of something. It's like there's a disease, and Man United are kind of the top of that because there's just so much noise around the football club and, and things that are happening. It happens with players. It happens every individual instance at Manchester United. I do think that we have this thing now with social where fans have to guess right. You know, so I feel something and my feelings are more important than your feelings. And then when I'm proved right, I'll retweet that from four years ago and then I'll celebrate that. So no one cares about really trophies anymore. They just care about being right. So that's a problem, isn't it? Because the whole thing with a manager and we talk about Ten Hag, Ten Hag is going to need time, backing, money, patience, the full shebang to fix this Manchester United mess. The second he loses a game, that slips. If he loses five games, it's like falling off a cliff. If he loses like 15 games, he'll get sacked. So this is why Man United have become the soap opera that they truly are. And let's be honest, people that watch soap operas are doing it for a reason, aren't they? They want that kind of instant gratification. And that's what United have become to football fans. So I think that there is some of that there. You said you use the word vitriol. I think, I think that's quite accurate. Um, and as it stands, you know, if, if you don't get ten half for whatever reason, what do you do? You've got to go and get someone, haven't you? You've got to look at the market, and you've got to be you've got to be erudite and smart. And and I don't think football fans think like that because they don't do the game for those reasons. It's not business to football fans; it's linked deeply to their heartstrings. You know, it's all in here. So I, I think with ten Hag, you know, there's a big big kind of sway of support from him. So Gary Neville put that out there, and it was kind of over eighty percent. Uh, I did a, a poll kind of a few weeks ago and it was more like 65% at that time. But Twitter is a reflection of populism. So if the guy who's leading the race is the popular choice, he's always going to get 80, 90, 100% sometimes. And that's why we shouldn't do politics on Twitter because it's always about populism. It isn't really about real life. It's always about, am I right? Well, I'm going to prove that I am in 140 characters. Everybody seems to be right about Pochettino being a massive fraud nowadays. I hate using that word, but it's just it's just the way that you, you know, it's the way that we refer to things nowadays, isn't it? But like, it's crazed, isn't it? It's crazed yeah. because people always said to me about Pochettino, that cl- the classic one before he went to PSG was, oh, he doesn't win trophies, oh, he's a choker. If we just be so binary about our judgments on everything, then we're always going to be like that, aren't we? And I actually think Man United are like that. That's why United have made these bad choices over a long period of time because they listen to the fan base, they listen to the noise and they get pulled apart. You know, they get pulled towards the noise rather than actually standing back and going, we need to be bigger than this. We need to make proper business decisions, proper football decisions. And they haven't done that. They have a number of players since the day dot. They consistently make the same errors that this kind of populist noise pushes. Yeah, uh, Pochettino, just going back to him before we move on. Uh, he, I think that the main argument is when did he last have a, a team who was playing at the, you know, at their, at their very best? And you can probably point back to when Tottenham, even before their Champions League run, and that's the kind of stick that's being used to beat him with, as well as his lack of trophies, even though he's 12 points clear at the top of the top of the French League. I know he didn't win it last year, but he came in mid-season. Uh, and yeah, I mean... He's getting an unfair ride, and he's not like for me. He's not. He's not my favorite candidate, but I think he's getting a bit of an unfair ride. Yeah, he's not my favorite candidate as it stands either. But I, I can totally understand if I take a step back and remove 
my heartstrings and remove kind of maybe just the thought process of what is the best business decision for Man United's football club as it stands. As I said, if you can't get Ten Hag for whatever reason, it might be that Ten Hag goes, do you know what? I love Ajax, going to sign a new deal here, not going anywhere. My family are happy in Amsterdam. So this is it and that's done. What did Man United do? You can't just say, well, we only had one guy. The, the kind of perpetual nonsense going around social media today and the last few days of you only interview one guy because he's the only candidate. Uh, what? No, you don't do that. No business does that. No one with a brain would do that if you were running a, a multi-billion pound football team. You would look at the marketplace and you would assess it. So Man United have been doing that since day dot. Since the day Ole left, they have spoken to candidates already. This has been going on a while. And the reason why they brought Ranić in is they felt that that would elongate that process in their advantage. That would help them choose the right manager. They really didn't want an interim, but they did it because they felt that that was the best choice at that moment of time. As it stands now, Ralph's done okay, hasn't he? But he's not going to stay at the football club. All of that nonsense about rebuild and using his kind of knowledge of that is kind of waned a little bit. Um, and it's the same old, same old, isn't it? And I think United need to be a little bit smarter and they need to look at the full market and get the correct coach. I would like to just talk about Luis Enrique quite briefly because I think yeah. he has a lot of... Uh plus points he has mm-hmm. the trophies he has you know the kind of identity he's quite hard-headed you know he's quite he, he does make a good fit it's just not the right time for him is it but you know maybe down the line this is another one to revisit if for whatever reason the next manager doesn't work potentially could, like, could it happen in december in in january it could happen of course it could i, I it, it's it's all on the table i really do believe that uh, i think with luis enrique he's a little bit like pochettino in the sense that when he left barcelona and he obviously went for personal reasons. We know what those were. Um, his stock kind of fell at the end of that period. People were like, oh, well, you know, he's leaving Barcelona, but I'm sure Barcelona are not particularly too worried about it. You know, he's kind of a bit of a spent force, did a little bit of good stuff. His style of football doesn't really suit uh, the kind of beautiful Catalan style, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but of course, he came back. He's taken the Spain job and he's done very well. He's taken the young players promoted them. He's shown that stylistically he can be very relevant in today's football. Does he want to kind of leave that situation that he's got at Spain, where it's probably quite a nice holistic situation for him and go into the mad, crazy world of Manchester United? Well, if the money's right, maybe. But is the timing right? Well, as you just said there, I don't believe it is as it stands. But he's still he's a fine coach. You know, he's someone that that leads by example. He builds well. Um, and he's got that great experience of top line management of, of a big club. And I think those things are really valuable. This is what. Um, Ten Hag hasn't got. Ten Hag's been at Ajax in a, a place that is a big club, but has been doing it the same way for 50 years. Can he come to Man United and truly affect the culture? That's a really big question. And it's a question we really haven't got an answer for at the moment. Yeah, I think it's going to be quite a big shock for people who are just expecting him to come in straight away and steamroll or everything. Uh, that's just kind of the expectation that comes with this invincible new manager that United are going to end up getting, right? Just because it's a Dutch thing, I'm going to make the comparison. So, like, I wanted Van Gaal. You know, I wrote big pieces about him being the manager, experience, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Ajax, won everything, you know, doing well with Holland, bring him in. And we got him. He came into the football club. 
And in that two years, he turned up at Carrington and the first thing he did was, this grass is wrong, this lighting is wrong, change it all. And he changed stuff that even Fergie wasn't allowed to change back in the day from the, from the board. And he did all of that. And then after a kind of 18-month period, I remember being sat in my seat at Old Trafford and watching it and watching the ball go sideways 300 times and thinking, I got this wrong. Because as good as he is or good as he was, doesn't fit what Man United need at this moment of time. And after two years, he won the FA Cup and got sacked. And it was obvious. It was obvious why. I worry about that with Ten Hag. I think he could come in, implement the system, and after a year we're going, does this system win a title? Mm. Well, after Van Gaal, after two years, we knew it wouldn't. So it was time to go. So I think with, with, with Ten Hag, you have to be patient. But whatever he's going to build at the moment, we're not 100% sure what it's going to look like. There is not a Jurgen Klopp or a Pep Guardiola level coach out there. And nope. unfortunately, until... Unless, unless, he's, that, unless he when, works miracles. Look, you know? when Jurgen got the job at Liverpool, his stock was low. Yeah, he left me, but he left Dortmund after a season. I'm reporting on the Bundesliga every week, and that Dortmund team was absolutely awful. Yeah, it had gone fallen off a cliff, and he was the architect of that. And people looked at him and went, "Well, maybe you're not as good as coach as we thought." And at that time, he was linked to Real Madrid and Barcelona. Before that. And then after that, he wasn't linked with them anymore because I think Dortmund were like 10th or 11th when he got sacked. They did end up, I think, 4th or 5th that season. They kind of recovered. Mm. Uh, funnily enough, Thomas Tuchel took over, didn't he? So uh, I think with Klopp, you know, he got that job at Liverpool after his stock had fallen. But of course, now we forget those things, don't we? We don't want to talk about them because they don't go with the narrative. So there's, there's a lot of good coaches out there, but there really isn't a Klopp and there really isn't a Guardiola. So you've got to kind of look at the next layer and hope you get someone that takes you to the next level and brings themselves to the next level at the same time. Yes. Uh, question for you. Will Paul Pogba be a part of the next evolution or the next uh, version of United that we see? Because he's done an interview. Uh, it's, it usually happens on international duty. Players go away and they speak to local press and they say they speak with their minds and they, you know, a little bit more open than they would usually be at home. Uh, and I did want to talk about before we get on to kind of like his lack of a role and this kind of thing about the, his comments on depression. Uh, so he, he said that I'm going to, I'm going to quote him here. Uh, I've had depression in my career, but we don't talk about it. Uh, sometimes, you know, you are, you just want to isolate yourself and be alone. These are unmistakable signs. But personally for me, it began when I was with Jose Mourinho in Manchester. You ask yourself questions. You wonder if you're at fault because you've never experienced these moments in your life. So, you know, we we need to talk about it, Rob. We do. And I think that, you know, when we look at Paul Pogba, he is a player and a man that will always divide the Man United fan base just hugely just because of, of what he is projected as. Do you know what I mean? But I think it's it's important to say that he doesn't project all of that. A lot of that comes from the football club and from media outlets. It's the truth. So, you know, he's spoken quite candidly about his mental health. And, and I was quite interested to see the reaction yesterday on social and just wider and from the popular press was that there wasn't a lot of sympathy for him. You know, so I think, again, when other footballers have spoken candidly about their mental health and been truthful and honest about stuff they've felt, it's always been a like a kind of sway of support and people saying this is really brave and et cetera, et cetera. What I saw yesterday was a lot of silence, a lot of Man United fans not talking about it and a lot of people in the press not talking about it. So I feel sorry for Paul because I think that's one of the big things. He said that I'm only human. I'm not a superhero. 
And I think we forget that because he's projected as one, isn't he? Projected as one of the biggest footballers in the world. He'll sell you shirts till, you know, the cows come home and he's on every billboard around the world because that's what Paul Pogba is as a brand. But Paul Pogba is also a human being. And, and I think this is why this might all come to the end at Man United. You know, I don't think this has got anything to do with money. I think this is about his ambition and about how he sees himself. And I felt a couple of years ago, you remember when the fan challenged him at the end of the season when he went to the yeah, to that corner? Funnily enough, I was sat not so far away from it that day and saw it in the flesh and saw what happened. And Paul was trying to like mediate and chat and be like, you know, let's chill, let's be calm. And, I, and fans were attacking him verbally. And I've never seen that at Old Trafford. Never seen what a player ever get that kind of verbal abuse in that moment. Now, if I was Paul Pogba, I'd have gone. I said, "Yeah, done. I'm done here. I don't need. I don't need this." But he didn't say that because he's always had this connection to United. He's always wanted United to do well, and he wants to be part of the success story. He does not want to be remembered as that guy. He does not want to be the guy that failed another one from the Di Marias to the all the way through for all the kind of top players that Man United have brought, and even now up to Ronaldo, who might leave the football club as a, as a failure in this second phase. Paul Pogba doesn't want that on his CV, so. I think that there's still a chance he'll stay. He has kept that open, didn't he? You saw in his comments, he kind of said, well, if it's at another club or in Manchester, he deliberately put that in because he could have taken that out, couldn't he? Yeah. But I also think that the pundits that chase him and it's all the pundits that you love at the top of the tree and the very big, biggest sporting stations, they constantly want to talk about Paul Pogba in a negative sense because it sells. And it's very hard to kind of compliment him, isn't it, in a in a progressive way, if people just want to hound him out of the football club. So I think that's a thing. It's a, it's still there. And there's every chance that he'll just eventually go, I'm done here. You know, yeah. tried five years. Like people can't say I wasn't loyal. Five years. Not many football and top footballers stay at top clubs. If it doesn't work for five years, they're gone after two years. People talk about Lukaku leaving Chelsea already. He's been there five minutes. So I think Pogba has given what he wants to try and give to Man United, but United have sold him a con. They didn't give him the squad or the teammates to help him. And I'm sure all of the things that he suffered would have really, really affected his mental health. Yeah, he did make that comment about, uh, you know, we make loads of money and all this stuff, but we're still yeah. we're still human. And like people do forget that. He was, at the time when he was signed, the most expensive player in the world, I think. United yeah. broke the record. And obviously that was, that was broken soon after with Neymar and Mbappe and those kind of players. But... Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean he, he got thrust into this position where he, he's a midfielder who kind of needs stuff around him to work for him to be his best. He's not this because he can do because he can tackle because he can dribble up the pitch because he can score because he can provide assists. You just people have expected everything of him, and he he went into his role and lack of kind of identity in a sense at United with some some comments in the same interview where he says he compared his role at United to the one he has with France. And he, he said, I have much more playing time with France. The system is different than at club level, but it's simple. I play and moreover in my position, I know my role and feel the confidence of the coach and the players, but he's been played in various different positions in at United with various different managers on the left side in a box to box role in a deeper playmaker role. And United have failed him because they've changed their manager every two minutes and they've asked him to do something different. And he's not been able to, you know, get that level of consistency to bring his best to United each week. And yeah, yeah, fair enough. Like he probably does deserve some criticism for his performance levels. But at the same time, I think it's more United's fault than his. 
hundred percent. And I've spoken about this at length in my tactical shows when we've looked at individual players and Man United systems throughout the months and years of going all the way back to when Pogba first joined the football club. Is that if you were going to bring Paul Pogba in, let Paul Pogba play a role in a position that he's good at. Do that. Maybe that's a good starting point for any footballer. Don't change his the, the, his position every week because we've seen that. He's been a six. He's been an eight. He's been a ten. He's doing defensive work. He's doing forward work. He's doing a load of stuff that kind of falls outside of the remit of what he's good at. So, you know, he said it, I think, at, uh, at, the, at the end of last season. He said he talked about the floating eight role. So just to kind of explain that a little bit more, it's kind of that role on a 4 2 3 one where he plays on the left. So he can kind of come in, but he can go out. Not really a winger, not going on the outside, but affecting the, the box and the penalty box play. That's his role. He loves that. Does he play it every week for Man United? No. Because Man United are no longer really playing that system. Obviously, that was Ole's system. But we see it again, don't we, with Pogba playing as the six sometimes, now playing as the 10, playing right at the top of the pitch, playing deeper and changing within matches. Now, that that does happen to players. But if you're going to go and buy an 80 or 90 million pound midfielder, maybe let him go and be a good midfielder. The reason why he's good for France is that Deschamps nails that down. Deschamps goes, I'm going to players around him to protect. I'm going to let him go and express himself. And, oh, that's why Paul Pogba's got a World Cup winner's medal. Unfortunately, that medal was stolen from his house last week from when he was burgled. So I think there's a whole load of things going on here with, with Paul Pogba. You're right. I think he deserves a certain amount of criticism because I think your personal levels are on you and it's up to you. And say that about Marcus Rashford, Bruno Fernandes, Cristiano Ronaldo. It, it applies to everyone. But there's no doubt that Man United sold him a lie about that midfield, about what they were going to do and how they were going to rebuild it. They gave him someone like, you know, Mourinho, top-level coach. You get Ibrahimovic at the same time. You get Mkhitaryan, who was double player of the year in Germany. You get Bailly, one of the most up-and-coming defenders in La Liga. And you say, oh, this is where we're going. And then it stops. That's what happened at Man United. They, did, they stopped building for a bit. They made bad signings. And it all kind of ground to a halt. That's where we are today, Scott, isn't it? Now we're at the point where we've got no manager. You're talking about a new project again. Paul Pogba might look at this and go, I've done this two or three times at Man United now. Should I trust these people again that don't know anything about football? Or am I going to stay here, sign the deal and try and be the catalyst? Look, if I'm Paul Pogba, I don't matter how much I love Man United or not, I'm off. I'm out of this football club. Give me a new project. Let me go and show what I can do at another top team. Well, he did say in the interview as well, to go back to it again, that trophies is what motivates him. And he's gone, he won trophies in his first season. He and he's always said that. In the FL Cup. And he's always said this. Yeah, he has always said yeah. this. He won that in 2016-17. And since it's been completely nothing. There's been nothing. And I think he got a little bit, of, I saw a little bit of criticism for him saying the season's dead. And I was framed like, Oh, so you're not going to chase top four then? Does top four mean nothing? Well, no, of course it doesn't mean it. The season is dead. <laughs> it's like, the it's season's exactly dead. That. Fans yeah. will tell you that. The season's dead. You don't, so... get tro- you don't get a medal for, for fourth. You know, like fourth is the agenda of the football club now. The football club need fourth because they want to be in the Champions League next year for the money. So Paul Pogba and the players, they still need to turn up, of course, and do their jobs and try their best. And they will do. I'm sure they will. But it hurts, doesn't it, with fluctuations. You don't know who the manager is. You don't know what the future philosophy of the football club is. What am I supposed to do day to day? How am I supposed to express myself? So I, I, I'm even that the season is dead, and the season's dead because of Manchester United's board because they got it wrong again. They didn't help their players. They didn't help their manager. And here we are now doing 
kind of reverse repeat because that's the Manchester United way. That seems to be the kind of true United way of the modern day. Yeah, I mean, on, on Pogba before we move on, I mean, I've said this for, it seems like years now. I just kind of like to see him leave and go somewhere and play well and win trophies because I think he is that, he's he's a player who can play at the very highest level and should be and he will deciding games and he will do it like wherever he goes he will be a centerpiece of a successful team there's no doubt about it i'm yeah i i don't say it's like again people go oh you're a pogba fanboy i'm not i just look at talent i look at talent and application how do you make those things work how do you make it around you i get that paul pogba has deficiencies in parts of his game but my god his strengths are massive yeah if you get that right and you use his strengths you can build a really good football team. Don't build it around him. Make it the supplementation. Make him part of the moving parts of the clock, you know, behind the clock face. You know, make him important. And you know, they haven't done that. Let's be honest. They've not done it. And we've seen it every year. Every year we say the same thing about can this work now? It's got to come from the top. It can't come from individual players. You can't drop a Ronaldo in and expect 800-goal Ronaldo to just rescue your season or give you a trophy or get you towards a title. Football does not work like that. And mainstream, top-line sport does not work like that. Yes, we'll see what happens with Paul Pogba. I'd imagine we won't know his decision until, A, United decide on a new manager. I don't really think that'll make much of a difference, Mm -hmm. but it could. Uh, And... You know, at, at the end of the season, he's out of contract June 30th. And I think he might take his time, like see what offers come in and then make a decision. And like whatever he does, he's seen out a contract that he signed and he's well within his rights. But Scott, it's also definitely, won. we must highlight that Manchester United made him a contract offer that didn't match his terms a long time ago. And since then, 18 months ago, they have not come back. Think of that what you want. It happened to Carlos Tevez. Yeah, Carlos Tevez had an agreement with Man United going back over time. And Man United said, that's the agreement and that's it. And Carlos Tevez played really well for Man United over that period. Obviously, they won lots of trophies. He was a big part of that, though he wasn't really always a starter. And he wanted a better deal. And Man United said no. And then when Man United finally got back to him at the, towards the end of the campaign, he didn't pick his phone up. He went, I'm off. You, you don't respect me. I think Paul Pogba might be thinking the same thing. And just one thing to close it, Scott. We've done enough pop, I think, now. But the British pundits are obsessed with Minirola. They're more obsessed with Minirola than Minirola is obsessed with them. There's no doubt about it. And because he's represented by Raiola, there's this kind of stain that goes along with it. And people don't like Paul Pogba because of Raiola. Raiola just does his job. His job is to make himself money and his player money. His job is not to make fans happy, make pundits happy, any of that stuff. You need to let go of it a little bit. And I think with Paul Pogba, I would like him to stay at the football club. I think he deserves to get paid. And I think you need to help him achieve at Man United rather than hinder him. But gut feeling is that he will go. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Could he go because I would. I'd go. I would too. I would too. I'd be done. I'd be like, not doing this. (laughs) Uh, could he be replaced in midfield next season by somebody like Hannibal let's let's move on to to him because he's done an interview with TN Sport uh, talking about Ralph Ranić a little bit and talking about his position at United in this squad and he says maybe in the future as soon as I get the chance uh, I've not yet had the chance to play I'll take the experience I have and show what I can do so that's kind of defiant that's like a message Mm -hmm. to indicate that he's ready to go essentially and 
you're quite high on him, Rob. I think United fans are. There's a lot of talent there. So don't expect to... Maybe we'll see him in the back end of this season. United don't really have too much to play for apart from fourth place. Maybe we'll see him at first team level at the back end of this season. But mm-hmm. he could be a key cog into next, couldn't he? Yeah, I think Radnik's missed a trick with him, to tell mm, you the truth. Like, yeah. I, I think that... You know, his performances before for the under-23s, before the African nations, indicated that he was kind of making steps. Now, I do understand that Ranić's style of football, that 4-2-2-2, he needs a bit of engine room work there, that you need players that run, and this is why McFred get picked. This is kind of why, you know, Matic remains relevant at Manchester United, where I don't think he would be relevant at another, say, top six club, top eight club uh, in the Premier League. But I think with Hannibal, you know, it's not a case of saying he's one for the future. He's one for now. Let's see him now. Let's get him minutes. It doesn't need to be big minutes. We just need to see him start experiencing the life of a Premier League footballer. Because I think we saw it with Alanga. is at the start of the season, most people would have said, Alanga, maybe on loan, send him out to, oh, Sunderland. Or, or send him out to a team like in mid-table in the I championship. Or Huddersfield. Or Huddersfield. Exactly. <laughs> you send him somewhere else where he's going to guarantee minutes and play maybe a bit of physical football so he kind of toughens up because he's young. That's kind of the, the the mindset of a lot of football clubs. I don't want to see Hannibal go out on loan anywhere. I want to see him in our team because we do have a gap in our midfield. Um, I think as well, the whole Declan Rice thing is going to continue for a little bit in terms of connections. And I do think that Man United lose Paul Pogba and play the narrative that Paul Pogba didn't want to be at Man United and it wasn't the other way around. It wasn't them moving the player out, which I think is more closer to the truth now as it stands and has been for a year. They will want to spin this into a huge signing. So this is why I think Declan Rice is still very much on the table. West Ham quoting £150 million for the player. It's the same as Dortmund, isn't it? We're doing it Sancho. They quoted around, you know, 127 what happened? They sold him for 70. So uh, it was 75, 77 or in the end. So I think Declan Rice is a player that if Chelsea cannot get him for whatever's going on there, that he will want to still move to a big team. And Manchester United remain a very, very big team. He does have better options, though, I would say. Manchester City looking for a Fernandinho replacement. Chelsea, he's the that's the club he supports and this, this kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah he's definitely, it's, it's definitely not one we can rule out, I would I would love to see him at United, but we will see. Could he play alongside Hannibal next season? Fingers yeah. crossed. Well, that's that, what I was meaning. That, that valuation of one one fifty million is uh, is high. <laughs> you know, it, this is West Ham will will play ball lower than that. I would I would think it's high, but I do also think that in today's crazy days, that clubs should start at that view at that valuation. Why why undersell your player? You know when. When Dortmund got what they got for Sancho, they knew they weren't going to get that price. They knew it, but they put it out there and they stuck to their guns. And what they did was put it in Man United's court and say, right, you've got to come back with the best 100% offer that you can give us. West Ham, they might never get another Declan Rice for 20, 30, 40 years. So you've got to sell high if you can. And because he's English, because there's a World Cup coming up and Declan Rice will sell a thousand million billion England shirts, he will do when it comes to that tournament. It was just, it's what it is. I'm talking globally as well. Declan Rice is going to be a very, very valuable asset. And valuable assets who sell shirts are normally quite like Man United. Those things do work. They come together. Uh, You're saying there about Man City. Um, Man City have got to decide whether if they want to spend 100 million plus on Declan Rice, is that really the best use of money for their transfer market? Now, obviously, they're 
rich beyond their dreams. But I think the, the, the Grealish signing is showing that they haven't really got their value yet out of 100 million for that player. He was never a 100 million pound player. Whereas I actually think Declan Rice is closer to a 100 million pound player. So it depends how Man City want to kind of do their own strategy. And I don't think that they are the runaway leaders at the moment. I know that's a, something that's going around, but I do think that Man United is still very much in play for Declan Rice. We'll see how that one goes too. There'd be plenty of speculation over the summer. Maybe United will get busy as soon as the end of the season comes uh, with a new manager in tow and, you know, a few shiny new signings, but we'll see. Uh, one shiny uh, prospect coming through the academy, and we, talk, we talked about him over the last few weeks, is uh, Alejandro Garnacho. And he's 17. He's posted a picture alongside Lionel Messi on his Instagram saying, dreams do really come true idol goat it's a oh that's controversial he's put he put the goat sign next to him he's a ronaldo teammate controversial <laughs> uh but he has been called up to the argentina senior team and he is officially part of the squad uh they play two matches against venezuela and ecuador over the next few days in this international break and the suggestions are you'll get a senior cap at 17 playing in united's youth team now this is uh interesting it's interesting, but not surprising at all. Like Again, I think this is about sometimes narratives and about how fans feel about players and how the club wants to promote you for how they want to do it. Um, he's very young. You know, he's 17 and Argentina are trying to give him a cap because they do to not want him. him to... They don't want him to play for Spain. He's Madrid-born, so he's got Spain in his blood. Um, and... You know, Spain are going to miss a trick here. You know, they should have tried to get on this this player early and get him to play for him because I think he would have fitted Spain's style and system and be very good. And he also fits Argentina's style and system. And I think Argentina are looking to the post-Messi years of where they are now going to have to find their next superstars. And they've got a few already in their pockets. But I think Grancho, he is... He's the modern forward. You know, like people talk about wingers and strikers. And he's the guy or he's the kind of character that fits that middle ground. He will exploit the channel. He can go outside, he can go inside and he can finish. So he's got everything. Man United need to start getting this talent and pushing it forward a little bit more. It's happening behind the scenes. But I think we're almost getting to that st stage now, Scott. You know, like we will see in the next preseason with the new manager that maybe one or two of these youngsters who are showing that they're really hot that their time is going to come and it's going to come a lot sooner than people think. It's definitely time. I think he's, he's done some, uh, he's, he's spoken to United's official channel before traveling out and yeah. talking about how much of an honor it is to represent Argentina, just as it was playing for Spain's under 18s. Cause he has been capped by them as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's talked about all this, but yeah, uh, Argentina might lock him down for his, uh, for the duration of his career in the next few days. Yeah, when we took him away from Atletico Madrid, I said, I think I said it on our show as well, but I've said it various places. He was described by a kind of Spanish journalist as the jewel in the crown of their youth system. And that Man United taking him away was a huge loss for Spanish football and a huge loss for Atletico because they felt they could develop this player and very quickly turn him into a hundred million pound plus talent. Now that's kind of his ceiling. That's where we look at him at, I think, as being his talent. Now, can he translate that into the Premier League? We don't know yet, but I think you can see that with the, some of the fuss behind uh, him now internationally, that he will get that chance eventually. And let's just hope he stays injury free and Man United can get him in the first team very, very quickly. Yes, indeed, Rob. Uh, we'll wrap up here, I think. Any other business before we 
uh, ride off into the international break sunset with it's nice and sunny we're, we're, wherever you are. Is it sunny? Is it it's nice? Sunny across, it? The U- sunny across the UK today. Nice to have some sun uh, uh, on our backs and faces uh, this time of year, isn't it? Um, I just think we're Man United and with the manager hunt, and this is something we're going to talk about a lot on our show, and we'll try and give you the most up-to-date information on it, whether it's stuff from behind the scenes. Um, obviously, new information gets broken every single day of the week, so join us, obviously, on Tuesdays and Fridays. Uh, I just think that, obviously, if it's 10 hard but maybe someone else. Man United fans just need to be calm about that at the moment. You know, if Eric Ten Hag wants the job, Man United will give him the job. I think that's where we stand. United are doing their due diligence. They have to do their due diligence. I think in the past, they haven't done that. They didn't do it with Jose Mourinho. Yeah, Jose Mourinho got sacked at Chelsea for a reason and they gave him the job. So I'm happy that they're doing that because I think they've got time on their side. But of course, United fans want everything to happen yesterday. So a little bit of chill, a little bit of calm. And twice a week, join us here on The Promised Land and we'll give you all the updates that you need. Yes, indeed. You can subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify if you want audio twice a week, as Rob says. And we're also on YouTube. Head over to our channel, hit the like button, subscribe and join the community. The link will be in the description of this episode if you're listening on audio. And just one final reminder to follow us on Twitter and engage with us about anything that we're tweeting you want any thoughts or any reviews? We're starting to get some nice reviews of the show coming in. So thanks for those. Uh, and we, we do uh, enjoy them. The nice ones anyway. I don't think I haven't seen too many negative ones so far. <laughs> but yeah, you can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promised Land MU. That's, that's it from us today. But uh, have a great weekend and we'll see you soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.